At Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western with over 4,200 hotels worldwide. Launching kids into the world is no joke, whether you're sending your kid to kindergarten or off to college. Some days we wonder if we're doing anything right. One thing is for sure, we all want to do it well. Hi, I'm Jamie, mom of four. And I'm Lisa, mom of three. We're here to help and encourage you in your parenting journey. Never perfect, always honest, and in the trenches with you. We're experienced, but not experts. You ready? Let's Let's launch. Lisa, you know this, but I want to let the listener know when we start this conversation is that three out of my four kids joined our family through adoption. Uh, Three of them are black and our bio son is white. And I remember when my kids were pretty young, we were marching at the Martin Luther King Day Parade downtown Austin. And we were walking and it was great. I was with some friends and I had all my kids with me and they were chanting, um, um, I am Trayvon, I am Trayvon. And it was when um, Trayvon Martin had been killed, murdered. And my little son, innocent as could be, looked up at me and said, who is that? Hmm. And in that moment, like I still get a little emotional now because in the moment I felt, the only thing I felt was, I don't want you to know who that is. Hmm. Like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to tell you because then if I tell you, you know. Yeah. And I remember feeling in that moment, I can't protect my kids from this and I can't protect them from the reality of what the world is. And I can't protect them from the hardships that even are in our very own country um, towards people of color. And so it was in that moment that I really realized, okay, just because I'm white, which is the worst thing in the world, but I'll just admit I can't protect my kids from anything. Yeah. Um, and so that started a moment of me of realizing I have to talk to them for a couple of reasons. A, they're they're black. Like right. th- this is not something that you just can't know. No. And so it started me really down a down a little trail of trying to figure out how to talk to my kids about hard subjects that involve race, hmm. especially because they're black. And my white child as well. But I will tell you, they've been completely different conversations. Yeah. Completely different. And around that same time that that happened, I started, I was in a group for a year. It was called Be the Bridge. And our friend Latasha Morrison, it was actually the first group she ever did. I feel such an honor to have that badge. Seriously. I know, right? It was before her book. It was before her ministry as everything. But we were in the circle and we were meeting at the African American um, Community Center downtown. I think it's like East 7th or something. And one of the gatherings... Latasha had everyone go around and talk about a time in their life where they had experienced racism or prejudiceness. Hmm. And we're going around the circle and every woman of color is telling a story that's bringing us to tears. Wow. Everyone. Yep. And it gets to every, look, I just get hot chills. It gets to every, the three or four of us that were white and we had nothing to say, hmm. like nothing. And sitting there listening to my friends say those things as I was walking through this with my child I thought this will be part of their story yeah and it has been they're all teenagers now they have all experienced racism yeah 
all of them have been called the N-word. It has happened. Yep. And so talking with my kids about it has been difficult. I want to tell you one more quick story is, um, I, you know, my oldest is white. Mm-hmm. And I remember also years ago when they were little, we watched a little documentary. It was about it was around it was about Martin Luther King again, and it was about Martin Luther King and media, something like that. I don't really remember. And they were talking about the media, how the media has actually come into play in a lot of things that we've seen in our country over the past, you know, ten years. And um, I tucked in one of my boys, and he got a little emotional. And his question was, like, do you think something like that could happen to me? Mm. And it was a moment of like. What are you going to say, Jamie? And I said, I hope not, but it's possible, you know, but I hope not. And I talked to him in and we talked some more and we left. And and what I'm about to say is not to shame my son. He was probably nine, my white son. It, this is not a shame thing. This is just, I'm, I'm explaining the reality of what it is to be white and the reality of what it is to be black. I walked out into the living room and my son, who was probably nine, said, um, what's the big deal? Why is he crying? Hmm. And I, I wasn't mad at him. Right. But I had the opportunity to say, like, well, that really feels different for him watching that than it does for you. And we had a phenomenal conversation. But it was in those kind of moments when my kids were little that I realized these are conversations worth having. And for me, it's personal. You know, I have three black kids. Um, But I am a big believer that these are conversations that need to be happening in every household, um, no matter how old your kids are. Um, So, But I also want to say these are hard conversations. They're These hard. are so hard conversations. What does this look like for you? Well, I was thinking hard conversations, also just uncomfortable conversations. Very. I mean, as as you've talked about, and yeah, uh, you know, I think I think one of the things is it, it's it's the willingness. Are we willing to be uncomfortable? And a lot of us, we don't we don't want you to mess with our comfort. Right. That's why we don't want to have conversations yeah. like this. I think. Many of us innately know, like we know in our spirit, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us if we're Christians. Mm-hmm. We innately know that we need to have these conversations. We we would have to be, we would have to be literally pretending not to know. Or like living under a rock. Living or, under a rock. That's what I'm saying. We, it's we, just, you yeah. would have to be blatantly ignoring it. Yeah. To not know that these are conversations you need to be having at home, we need to be having at home, we need to be having with our friends. You, you, you would have to be. Yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to fathom that people would say, "No, this isn't something we need to be talking mm-hmm. about." I think it's more of we just don't want to talk about yeah. it. We, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I feel out of my over my pay grade. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Also, I'm dealing with maybe my own prejudice, my own history. You know, I was thinking back about. My life, mm-hmm. right? Because I think we should be introspective. Yeah. We are parents. These all these conversations about launch, they really do come back to the heart of like, where did I come from? Mm-hmm. Let me tap into looking at where because that's where it starts. One hundred percent. Because as we parent, we are we are having to face, look back at where we came from in order to not you know, put something on our kids. It's all mm-hmm. of it, whether we're having a weight conversation, yep. whatever we're having. So race certainly plays 100%. into this. So I'm thinking about my growing up years. I mean, I moved all, I moved around all over the United States. But when I was in my, I would say most, most formative, like growing up years, was in Springfield, Missouri. And I remember at the time, and why I know this statistic, this also says something, but I remember someone telling a statistic at the time that we lived in a place that was 92% white. Mm. 
Why do I know that statistic? I don't know. And yeah. I don't remember what in context that statistic was mm-hmm. given, but I remember it. Yeah. And I went to a small Christian school. Jamie, there was not one person that I can remember that was of any ethnicity but white. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe someone had some, well, I mean, look, we, we all have some mixed yeah. race in us, yeah. right? But uh, there was like, maybe there was, but there was no one that was blatantly of any other ethnicity, mm-hmm. person of color in the, in the yeah. whole entire school. So here I am. And I, I will tell you, it did a couple of things for me. It it created in me this uh, curiosity for people who didn't look like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I went to college and there were people of color, I wanted to be their friend mm-hmm. because I was like, I don't know anything about people of color. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they're like. And so it created a real curiosity in me to become friends with someone who didn't look like me because I've always enjoyed people who didn't look like me. But I don't remember having conversations in the home. And again, not to in any way shame my parents, uh, because I think we live in a different time here. Uh But one of the things it did for me as I was raising children was it it made me grateful that we were raising our kids in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is a melting pot of different ethnicities. Mm -hmm. So what I thought was, oh, this is great because my kids will not have that same experience schooling as I did. They will now be in a school where they are exposed to different ethnicities, people of color. And so they'll have this opportunity to to learn by proximity right right and i do think there is something to be said about the proximity factor Mm -hmm. and so but i think there was that created for me that this idea that i didn't we didn't need to have maybe as many conversations at home which i think was a mistake Mm -hmm. but i will tell you this i think that my kids have led our conversations Mm -hmm. many times at home because i think gen z is on it Mm -hmm. like they are wanting to have the conversations that in many ways we're not willing to have yeah which should tell us something right and so why aren't we as parents leading the conversation and then how uncomfortable are we when our kids are are pushing the conversation Mm -hmm. so there's i think there's a lot of things to play Hey, y'all, it's Jamie, and I don't know if you know this or not, but I attended a Christian college. In fact, I graduated from Houston Baptist University, and I really loved being at an institution where faith was integrated into our learning. And now, of my four kids, one is already in college, two are really close, and we're looking at colleges, and then one is coming up the line. But if you have a student with college on the horizon, I want to tell you about Find Your Christian College. When you visit findyourchristiancollege.com, you can explore more than 200 Christian college options through the school search engine. You can filter the search based on things like size or location, majors, and athletics. Find Your Christian College collaborates with hundreds of Christian high schools, colleges, and universities across North America to promote Christian higher education. You can also find and register to attend one of over 125 in-person Christian college fairs across the U.S., These fairs take place every fall and spring. And if you can't travel, there's virtual Christian college fairs as well. Find out more at findyourchristiancollege.com slash launch. That's findyourchristiancollege.com slash L-A-U-N-C-H.
as a parent of a teen and also a young adult, but my teen daughter, I'm constantly looking for resources to help her grow in her faith and make it her own. At my house, Light Speaks Loudest is one of my favorites. The Light Speaks Loudest team creates quarterly subscription boxes specifically to help teen girls better love themselves, others, and God. My daughter's story is 15, and her and I both love Light Speaks Loudest because their boxes are full of authentic and trendy items like devotionals, journals, self-care items, and other accessories to encourage girls. She loves getting mail that is just specifically for her, and I love what's in the box that's just specifically for her. Each season has a unique theme designed around relevant, important topics like body image, friendship, rest, purpose, kindness, and so much more. Plus, they support at least one teen business in every single box. I say it all the time. It is a tough time to be a teen girl right now with everything that our teenagers are facing from mental health struggles to peer pressure to loneliness to trying to understand their identity in Christ. And I'm really grateful as a mom to have Light Speaks Loudest as a partner in the process of helping my daughter and all the girls that they work with navigate these challenges with hope. You guys, if you also want to give your teen girl in your life a gift that's both authentic and fun, visit lightspeaksloudest.com. You can learn all about their subscription options. You can become a member today. You can get 10% off your first subscription box when you use promo code Jamie10. That's lightspeaksloudest.com. Use promo code Jamie, J-A-M-I-E, 10. This conversation often parents can feel like, especially when we talk with little kids, they can feel like, well, if I tell them, then I've exposed them. Yeah. It's almost like if I tell my kids about sex, then they know right. they didn't know. Yeah, right, right, right. Which we know that's not true. Right, absolutely not. So in this conversation, people can also think like, well, if I tell them about, you know, injustice in our country, then what about, you know, the civil rights movement? Are they going to think that like that didn't work or whatever? And I'm like, well, here's the truth is that they live in this world as well (laughs) and they're going to be exposed to it. And so we're not letting them know something that's not going to happen. If anything, we're educating them and preparing them. I think about that, again, I told you I have black and white kids. And so with both of my kids, I think, how do I prepare them to go into the world with the knowledge that the world is not okay, yes. that the world is not all right? And as followers of Christ, as followers of Christ, us Christians believe and know that this world is still full of sin, even though Jesus has conquered sin, he's conquered the power. It, there's still sin in this world. Oh, 100%. And that comes into play under racism. Yeah. It's still here. It's oh. still prevalent. And if you don't think it is come talk to my children, yeah, you know? Right. And so I think that sometimes parents are so afraid of the conversation mm. that they just think, I shouldn't have it or I'll, or they'll learn this at school. Mm-hmm. And I just want to encourage parents as you're listening to really like lean into these conversations. Mm-hmm. Age appropriate, obviously. You know, yeah. like I think back when my kids were growing up, you know, they do like the Thanksgiving stuff at school with the pilgrims and the Indians. Yep. Well, I just wanted to have conversations with my kids about what that actually looked like when mm-hmm. people came over and there were already people groups here, yep. you know? And yep. so what you might not learn at school when you're doing those plays, <laughs> and Aaron and I went so far, we never had to enact this, like, but we went so far as to say like, <laughs> I feel so weird t- saying this, I've never said this out loud, but we had conversations of like, do we want our kids to participate in a, a yeah. friendly pilgrim Indian little play on school Yeah, when we don't actually think or know or believe that that's how it went down yeah and so those conversations are hard yeah but we're setting our kids up i want to set my kids up to be thinkers yes to investigate all those things and so i just think there are small ways that you can talk to your kids and you this is not a like oh the school is bad and don't listen to this 
It's about, hey, let's have a conversation about this. What do you think about this when you see this? But I think even what you were talking about there, though, even about the play and should our kids participate uh-huh. and all that, to me, what that's saying is it's the curiosity factor of, am I even curious? Am I even looking into this? Am I even thinking for myself? Am I even, do I even care? Yeah. L- let's just start there. Let's start there. Because yeah. to me... I'm grieved that we just go on with our daily lives, Jamie, mm-hmm. and we don't stop to care enough about something that is affecting, in your case, your home. Mm-hmm. My, not my case, because I have white children. Yeah, But I am a believer in Jesus Christ with brothers and sisters that are people right. of color. Right. And I, first of all, it's, it's, it is not... Um, I am called to care, but what does it say about me if if I don't care? Mm-hmm. What does that say about my heart condition? Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I guess the way that I feel about this is like I, I'm I'm I don't want to have to to muster up something. I don't want us to have to force a conversation, even on a show called Launch, to say, "Hey, we need to be talking about our kids about race." Like. Why aren't we compelled by this? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we not caring enough yep. to to want to do this? Yep. And I think, too, like, I get really passionate about parents who are parenting all white children because the statistics show who are in those alt-right marching at, at, at the campus of Virginia a couple years ago. You know who it was? It was like 19-year-old white boys. Mm. They're growing up in homes. Some of them might be broken, per se, all the things, nuances and complicated. But my thing when I say that is like, man – you as a parent, if you're not having these conversations with your kids, somebody is. Yeah. So they're getting educated about this somewhere. That's right. And whether that's the internet or people at school or social media, these conversations are happening. Mm. So as followers of Jesus, how do we want to approach them? And I love what you're saying. Like, this matters to us no matter what. It, It should. It better because it matters to Jesus. Right. And so I guess, I don't know, Jamie, I just feel like, you know, I, I'm so grateful we're having this conversation. At the same time, I'm grieved we're having this conversation because I do feel like if we all in our individual homes were to understand the importance of things like this and not look at it as like a social justice thing, I mean, that's great, but like this is a heart matter. Mm-hmm. This starts internal. And as we care about the things that, that, that break the heart of Christ— like we will want to have these conversations with our children and yeah. we won't look at it like as, okay, now this is what's going on in the world. So we've got to have these conversations. Yes, those things are true. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they're going to see things on the news. Yeah, they're, they're, they might experience things in the home, right? Mm-hmm. There's no there's no choice to have those conversations for people who, for you, for you with your children. Like mm-hmm. you don't have a choice with that. Right. But I'm saying like... Should any of us really have that right. choice? Yeah. No, we shouldn't. Not if we really care about what what is is the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah. Right? Which it's worth stating, if you're not watching us on YouTube, we're both white women, you yes. know? And so the thing I always like to say is like, we're having this conversation now, but generations upon generations oh, upon yeah. generations of black moms have been having these conversations on a level deeper and deeper and deeper. I remember the first time, like one of my kids was called the N-word. I called a friend of mine who's black and I was like, how do I do this? And I was had a lot of humility because I know I'm white and 
I didn't ever think about this until I had black kids. And mm. so that's a privilege. It is called, that's what we call privilege yes. is I didn't have to think about this. And she's like, I'm asking the same question. And she's mm-hmm. like, and the women who've come before me and come before me and come before me have been asking the same question. How do we raise black men? And um, so I want to say that this is what I, this is where I want to go with this next is. Can I also say yeah. this too? I want to say that when I say all that, I speak it to me first and I don't want to make this sound like, you know, I'm grieved for us. Or I'm grieved for me. Right. Yeah. I'm grieved for the fact that I didn't care more about this for years. You know, Growing up in my home, we can we didn't there was no n word. It was considered a cuss word mm-hmm. like anything else, um, which I'm grateful yeah. for that. You know, but it also that should be the norm. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I also think that that this this is something that I wish I had had more passionate about. I had more passion about for years. Yeah. Right. And I I think that it, the the great thing is that it's never too late yeah. with anything. Yeah. And so I just want it to be said that this is for me something I'm still continuing to learn. 100%. And grateful to be learning, but I'm glad you said what you said because this is not a new conversation. Yeah. We we might be new to it. Well, it is for white people it's always going to be new because right. you show up We're all new. of a sudden at some point in your life right. you go oh wait right oh, this is going on this yeah is important oh I, I had those moments i say all the yeah. time it's not my kid's job and i would never put that burden on them but because by the grace of god god has used them as being black in my life hmm. it's not their job it's not a burden yeah i just go like wow so i i remember my wake-up call and i think that that's a good thing for us to acknowledge is like thank you jesus for the yeah. wake-up call yeah one of the things i was thinking about as i was like ma'am what is something that can be helpful for parents? You know, like, okay, we're sitting here, we're talking about like, we need to wake up to this. We need to be aware of this. We need to be having these conversations. And it's still, as a white person, it still leads you to go, how or what or when? I mean, we're not talking about this, but on a totally different subject, you and I both visited the Texas border, Texas-Mexico border. Yes, That's a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it doesn't affect either one of us. Right. Neither one of us have immigrants living in our home. Nope. Neither one of us immigrated to this country. Um, And so, but yet... We have to go out and learn. We have to look at resources so that we can educate ourselves so we can talk about it. So that's an example that you and I are both doing. So let's talk about this with race in America. And um, I we'll just go back and forth with what we think are some things that can help us. Um, I think one of the first things that I can think of is to um, social media. Yes. You were probably going to say it too. Sorry. Social media. Yeah. Follow people who look differently than you. Absolutely. And... um, you know, I think also asking, you know, our friends of color that we have built a relationship with, not not, stranger. not popping in yeah. and going, hey, can I DM uh-huh. you and no. pick your brain? No. First of all, no. No. First of all, no. Um, people that you have formed relationships with, with, which, by the way, means relationship. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And and asking them. Can questions. I pick your brain? Yeah. Please no. never. Please never. Um, also, I just hate that in general. But <laughs> I mean, in this and this is just really bad. Yeah. But I, I just people that you formed relationships with that you that you have earned the right mm-hmm. to to ask questions that you, you know, will will honestly be pretty clunky with. Yeah. Um, you know, I have some friends that that I've. I've asked them some questions and I've I've even said like this is this is raw and clunky yeah. and in advance I'm sorry mm-hmm. and it, there's safety there yeah. and but I've needed to know because I've, I I want to get it right mm-hmm. you know I want to yeah. get it right and I won't always get it right no nope. um and um 
I think both of us have been grateful for just the openness and that. So I think that's really important as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so follow people that don't look like yeah. you. I would also say um, watch movies and TV shows yes. and listen to things that I'm not asking you to go out and change your whole genre of life. Yeah. But go experience things that you wouldn't normally go experience. I remember, you know, there's been movies that we have watched to learn and to educate ourselves uh, that weren't necessarily the love story drama I'd like to go see. Right. But I want to see it because I want to learn. Yes. And on the same lines of of that is reading, Mm. reading, reading books, reading literature. Um, Did you read Esau Macaulay's Reading While Black? No, I haven't (gasps) read that. I need you to get that today. Today. ASAP. It's so okay. good. Okay, I will. I will. It is so good. Um, you know, you mentioned Tasha um, Morrison and, and her, you know, I think her book was was really, really important for me, um, Be the Bridge. And I think yes. that is a crucial read because it just helps you really understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those kinds of things are are. Uh, they're to me they're deal breakers yeah their deal breakers are so important yeah you know i think as we're you talked about showing grace and we're we're growing in this and one of the things that's been really good for me is to acknowledge to myself and sometimes other people acknowledge the um prejudice maybe in the past that i might have had yes because we we all have it's not a matter of if it's like you have it yeah okay acknowledge it and then also I've been doing this hard work for a long time mm-hmm. and acknowledge it when it comes up again. Yes. Because so true. it comes up because yeah. I'm a human and mm-hmm. because I'm flawed and because I'm sent and acknowledge it. In fact, um, I won't tell the whole story because it's too long. But after I'd been in Tasha's group, uh, something happened and um, I called her and confessed that to her mm. and even asked her to forgive me. She wasn't there. It wasn't her, you know, yeah. but something happened that came up in me that shocked me mm-hmm. that I thought, what in the actual heck is this? And where yeah. is this coming from? Um, but to me, it was important for me to say that out loud wow. so that I remember, like, I am a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, too, I think – that is one of the biggest keys, Jamie, because it isn't a one and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, you know, a lot of people hate the word privilege because yeah. they they just something inside of them resists uh-huh. this idea. I'm not privileged. I've had a hard life or I've been through this or that. It makes us I don't know. It just brings up this real this real rub. Uh-huh. And I get it. I get it. Like we have all been through hard things. Yeah. It, it is not saying you haven't had a hard life. Right. You haven't had difficult things. You know, it, it's not saying you're spoiled or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But it is an acknowledgement that in this moment, there is something that you are taking for granted that someone else doesn't have the same opportunity for. We don't all have the same start points in life. Um, we don't all have the same... Uh, opportunities and givens in a moment. Can I say an example? Yeah. You were just here for this this morning. One of my kids got in a car wreck. Yeah. And you know, my first thought is, is there a cop around? What's going on? Because it's a black son. Yes. And that is a worry that I have. And most people don't have to have that worry because it's called privilege. I would not have had that, that right. worry for my two white boys. Yeah, and and it's not. I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm, I'm saying either. that is an example. That's right. A privilege. That is, and I think that's. I think that as a white mother, I have to. I have to. 
I have to realize that. Yeah. I have to own that. That there's that doesn't take anything away from my mother. Nope. It doesn't take anything away from my sons being great. Yep. Or that doesn't, it doesn't make, make them, you feel shouldn't make you feel guilty. It doesn't make them spoiled. Yeah. yeah. It makes it what it is. Mm-hmm. And and I feel that and I know that. And I think this whole conversation, first of all, I'm so glad that you brought it to the table. Uh, I think it's so important. Um, I don't feel like this is something that is, um, you know, I don't feel like, oh, I'm so proud we're having it. I feel like, oh, this is, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's time we should always be having yeah. it. And um, and I'm grateful for everyone listening and, and, and staying with it through the conversation. And we should continue to do that because by the grace of God, we are all growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all moving in the right direction. And we are all valuing one another as uh, created beings of God mm-hmm. who are deeply loved and valued. And uh, when that happens, Jamie, uh, we truly will be seeing each other as God sees us. And those conversations then will get a whole lot easier between us and with our kids. Anxiety and depression are hard enough for adults to deal with. They're really incredibly hard for our children to deal with them as well. I've said it before, us Ivies, we are very, very much big fans of counseling. If you are a parent like me and you've seen your kids have to struggle with some mental health issues, I want to introduce you to Foundations Family Therapy and their online courses. Foundations Family Therapy is a group practice of licensed therapists who have created self-paced, video-based courses for topics like parenting young, anxious children. Their team understands that sometimes therapy is not attainable in the season of life that parents are in, and it can also be hard to find a therapist. So these courses are a great resource for getting some professional guidance. Three of their most popular courses include From Surviving to Thriving, Beating the Worry Monster, and Combating New Parent Anxiety. All of their content is created from a Christian perspective and led by a licensed marriage and family therapist. You'll get video teachings, print resources, activities to practice, and next steps for thriving. Foundations Family Therapies courses include eight therapy sessions worth of information and are offered for the price of just one therapy session. Launch listeners can get 20% off any of these online courses. Visit foundationsft.com slash courses. Use the code LAUNCH for 20% off any of their online courses. I want to tell you something that our family uses to help with healthy boundaries around technology and most importantly, to stay present during family time. We love family time at our house. And what I know to be true is that our time is limited. We want to reclaim our time and establish healthy tech habits for our kids and our family. 90% of the time that we have with our kids occurs before they're 18. I'm living that life right now. And we know that our screen time is the biggest battle in most families today. I want to tell you about RO. RO is a whole family solution that aligns our actions with our intentions. RO is a technology solution for our technology dependence that combines the power of a motivational habit-forming app with the beauty of a defined place for our smartphone. So they have an app that's going to keep track of the habits that you're taking to spend time away from your phone. And they have a really, really great box that sits on our kitchen counter where you can all place your phones in them so they can all be away from you during family times. Things like family dinners. Hey, we're all going to put our phones up. RO is an invitation to be intentional. It's a visual cue to put down your phones, to track and measure your time away while you do what's truly important. What happens is you'll put your phone away. You'll not even remember that you put it away. You'll have time with your family. And then you have an app that helps you see how much time you spent off your phone. It's a way to instill pride in your behavior, a pat on the back for a job well done, and a true invitation to the things that we all say actually truly matter. 
If you lean into Aro, it will change your family life and culture. Check out Aro at GoAro.com. That's G-O-A-R-O.com. Get one month free off of either an annual or a two-year Aro membership when you use the code LAUNCH. I'm excited about this expert for this conversation. Shanara Williamson is a black mom raising her kids in a very white town outside of Nashville, Tennessee. She hosts the Brown Mama Bear podcast. The podcast is about her experience raising her daughters in a predominantly white circle. Their mission for her podcast is to make it easier for other parents to raise their children by providing tips, encouragement, and experience. We asked Shanara for her expertise because of her experience raising her daughters in the environment that she did. She's used to having these hard conversations that we must have with our children living in the current culture that we do today. My name is Shanara Williamson, and I am the host of the Brown Mama Bear podcast. There are a few things that stood out to me about Jamie and Lisa's conversation. I am so grateful that they were willing to have this particular um, conversation about the hard truth about race in America. Um, So three things come to mind um, that I appreciate, especially hearing them from white mothers. Um, Number one is that we really cannot protect our children from racism. Um, Number two, that we have to deal with our own, they were saying that they had to deal with their own prejudice and stories and the idea of where do you come from um, as they are then parenting their children. Um, And then finally, um, this idea of having conversations about race in the home being a must. So often I feel like we live in different worlds. Um, As a black woman in America, I feel like I live in a circle where the way I think um, and kind of some of the things that I'm processing and as well as my experiences, if they're one circle, um, there's so many things that happen within that circle that black people understand, but people in other people groups may not understand all of my experiences. But then because I am um, a part of a greater American society as well, I have to be well-versed in what the majority opinions are. And so I kind of understand what happens in the world for white people is how they see the world, how they move, how they think about things. Um, I kind of have to be aware of that in order for me to um, be successful in the things that I've done as well as in parenting. And so I feel like if that is another circle, um, there's a Venn diagram there. And sometimes those circles overlap. Um, But for the majority of the time, I feel like my white counterparts are able to live in their circle alone and never be aware of what's going on in someone else's circle. Now, I realize that there are a lot of circles we could talk about because there are so many different people groups that make up our society as Americans. So I I don't want to diminish anyone else's story. But for the sake of time, and that I don't have a lot of time to go into details and talk about um, things as comprehensively as I probably would like to do for the sake of time, let me just talk about what it's like in these two different circles Um, black world and a white world in that uh, those are two major um, groups in our in our society and I do believe that if if we could get those right it really would affect um, some of the other people groups that are also a part of our society so just for simplicity's sake if we could just talk about 
the the white black circles and that overlap in that Venn diagram, that would be great. Um, and so the three points that I really appreciated the most um, about this conversation um, can be seen as as we look at it through those different lenses. And so as a black woman in America, a black mother raising children in America, um, it was very evident to me early on that I could not protect my children from the racism that is just baked into our nation. Um, it, it is baked in, it was baked into the cake before we became a nation, put it that way. Um, that since the um, beginning of Europeans coming to these shores, um, the way they dealt with indigenous people and then the way um, they dealt with enslaved people. So even before the United States became a country, uh, there was a divide. There was a there was a, a a difference in the way people groups were treated, and so that is just baked into who we are. And I can't protect my children from that. What I had to realize is that yes, racism is real. Yes, it will be with us. I believe, um, you know, until the end of time. And I also believe that um, it affects our children, all of our children, um, negatively. So for me, I knew early on that I could not protect my kids from this. So the only thing that I could do, um, the mama bear that I am, the only thing I could do is to put something in them to help them to be resilient in light of the fact that they had to live in a world where racism exists and racism affects them and racism is dangerous. I had to put some things in them to be resilient. So for me to then hear uh, white parents also recognizing that they hit a point when they realize that, oh my gosh, as my child is asking me, who is Trayvon Martin in this particular instance? And they're asking like, what's going on here? That like, I can't protect them from the reality that, um, that is, is a part of racism. Uh, it was really comforting to me to hear that somebody else who was not a part of my circle, but a part of my Venn diagram, that they were also acknowledging that. Um, in my world, I, I raised my children in an environment where a lot of the parents of my kids' friends, a lot of their white friends' parents, did not want to talk about race at all in their home. And they did not want to acknowledge that this was a reality. And so it, it just can perpetuate the problem when that doesn't happen. So the fact that you were realizing that we cannot protect our kids from that, I think is is really um, getting to the end of ourselves and then realizing there's something we've got to put inside of them. The second thing was uh, dealing with what our own stories are. I love the fact that Lisa recognized she had to deal with what her own story was in terms of the school that she went to, the community that she was raised in, that it was 92% white, and that because of that, she didn't really have a lot of interactions with people who were not white. Um, I think that's really good for us to all recognize. And and so I've had to do the same thing. I've had to reckon with my own past, what it was like to um, be called the N-word in first grade, what that was like in my community and in my school when it happened on multiple occasions, and then how that informed me in the way that I saw the world, in the way I saw myself 
also informed how I then parented when I was an adult. Um, so I think dealing with our own stories and and in this case, um, I think the way Lisa said it was dealing with her own prejudice as well, that dealing with those issues um, are, are a precursor to us being good parents. And so that's another way in which that Venn diagram um, I saw some things happen that, yes, there's an overlap there, that something on my side as well as something on the side of white parents that that is the same. Um, and then finally, this idea of having conversations about race um, in your home being a must. Like this isn't something we can opt out of. Now, I believe some people choose to opt out of it, but I think it's to their own peril and it's to our peril as a society when people opt out of it. I just want to tell you a really quick story. Um, in our home, we used to do this thing around our dinner table. It was me forcing fun, actually. But um, I would make us pick up cards um, that were pre-printed and they had questions on them. And it was a way just to have some conversation starters at the dinner table. Well, one night we had to say um, something that made us fearful when we were children. And it was a card that the parents had to tell the kids. It was such a great exercise. I really loved it. So my husband ended up telling the story about the time that uh, he was a new driver, 16 years old, pulled over by the cops. And it was just his first experience of driving while black. And while we were telling our kids the story, it wasn't like we were even trying to have a conversation about race, but we were just sharing who we are. We were just sharing us with them. What I realized later, many years later, was that our kids just grew up with it being normative for us to talk about um, this particular idea of driving while black and and what that means and and how dangerous it could have been. And the fact that their father is still alive when the guns were drawn on him um, before the police even asked to see his license, you know, those types of things. The fact that, that this amazing man that they knew to be their father, um, an honest man, a good dad, a man of faith, like all of these things, like his life could have been snuffed out at age 16 had it gone um, differently that night. And, and it very easily could have. And so for them, this was just an understanding of the world around us. So fast forward um, many years later when they were in high school and it was becoming more um, evident through social media that, that people were just learning about this. Um, there were some people in their school teachers as well as students who questioned if this is really true this idea of well what did the guy do you know that kind of thing and for my kids because of their experiences in our home at our dinner table knowing our stories they were able to say like not only is this true but like it happened to somebody I'm connected to, someone I love, and it could happen to me as well. And so they were very well aware of the reality of the world because we had conversations about race in our home and we made that a must. Um, and so I just believe that as we do sometimes live in different worlds, but we wish that we lived in an environment where there wasn't such a great um divisive culture. I think that this is the only way for us to um, bridge some of those huge 
chasms between us. So the fact that we, all of us as parents, can't protect our kids, when we recognize that, that's a good thing. When we deal with our own stories, where we come from and how that impacts our parenting. And then finally, when we have these conversations about race in our homes with our own children, um, it grounds them and gives them a sense of reality, but not just one that they, you know, have to figure out themselves. I really do believe that it's best when when it's guided by the people who love them the most, by their parents. And so um, that's why I enjoy that so much. I enjoyed this conversation completely, but I really enjoyed uh, those three points as well. And so um, I'm so grateful that Lisa and Jamie were willing to um, enter in and to also invite others to come into this conversation with them um, on the hard truth about race in America. Well, thank you so much for having me um, to also share some of my thoughts as well. Um, Raising children is not easy. Raising black children in America was downright difficult. Um, I'm so grateful that by the grace of God, we got our children to adulthood. <laughs> they are ages 22, 23, 25 as of this recording. My husband and I have been married about 29 years, and sometimes we just high five and can't even believe that that we've made it this far. But we have, and in return, one of the things that I try to do is to help other parents get through their own journey. And so I do that through my podcast, Brown Mama Bear. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Shanara Williamson. Launch is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive producer, Jamie Ivy. Produced and edited by Angie Elkins. Editing assistance from Lindsay Barnett and Roger Abounza. Show notes by Nikki Ogden. Art by Noel Rhodes and Maddie Byers. Original music by Matt Graham. Hosted by Lisa Whittle and myself, Jamie Ivy. Thanks for listening to Launch with Jamie Ivy and Lisa Whittle, Season 2. Best Western, we can't promise you the perfect family beach vacation. We can't promise that it won't rain, or that you won't get a sunburn, or that your family won't endearingly call you Lobster Mom for weeks afterward. What we can promise is a warm welcome and a comfortable room amidst all the joyful chaos. Lobster Mom. Life's a trip. Make the most of it at Best Western, with over 4,200 hotels worldwide.